Lights out, and welcome back to our untitled F1 podcast. Once again, returning, I am your commissioner, Frank Skorzewski, at the F609. And once again, we will be returning our featured guest of the week in Mr. Michael O'Byrne from Louisville, Kentucky. Mike, how are you? I'm doing absolutely awesome, Frank. How about them Red Bulls? We're back. Oh my goodness, Mike. How about those Celtics? Uh, you know what happens, Frank, when you play in a playing team and they get all these expectations behind them, sometimes things just happen and sometimes you get swept. Sometimes you do get swept. Before we get any further, I would like to send a very happy birthday to our own league member, Mr. Steven. I hope you enjoyed it. As always on these episodes, we will go uh, through a similar format. We'll do a Imola recap of last weekend. We will hit some standings for the league, and we will also look at an Miami preview. Mike, initial thoughts. What did you think of last weekend? Uh, I thought it was a good weekend. It was definitely a big difference between the sprint and the uh, and the actual race, and we'll talk about that. Definitely have some feelings on some changes since the Australian Grand Prix and how things are shaking out in both the Drivers' Championship and the uh, Constructors' Championship. And just to tease, I do have a major announcement, um, some big news to share. So stay tuned for that. Wow. Breaking news right here on the Untitled F1 Pool Podcast. Does it get bigger than this? The, the masses have to be just waiting anxiously. As they should be. It's big. All right. Well, thank you for that, Michael. And let's get right into the recap of MOA Grand Prix and Sprint Weekend. The Italian fans were out in full force for the Ferrari Red this weekend in their home race. Mike, let's get right into it. Qualifying, rain. I haven't seen that many crashes, spinouts in a qualifying session. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, and it's starting to become a, a theme here at Imola, the reign of uh, of Grand Prix weekend. Obviously, not ideal conditions for the teams. Well, not ideal for for everybody, but uh, well noted. Lando likes the wet. That's that's his own words. Um, you take that however you want to take it. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of interesting crashes that happened throughout throughout qualifying, and then um, kind of that same theme led into the uh, into the Grand Prix. Absolutely. Uh, it was an interesting call uh, Q3 uh, with the red flag at the end uh, leading to a Max Verstappen uh, pole position. Charles Leclerc coming in second. Lando Norris finishing third, as Mike said earlier, enjoying the wet conditions out there. Kevin Magnuson of the Haas in fourth, the highest Haas uh, qualifying position ever. Uh, and to round up the top five, Fernando Alonso. And now we will move right on to the sprint. The sprint offered basically everything that they promote it to be. A ton of overtaking, pretty clean sprint. Max had a abysmal start that led to uh, Leclerc coming out just in full force and taking the lead immediately. Mike, your initial thoughts? Yeah, no, it was a pretty, it was a pretty clean sprint. I think the only casualty of the sprint that we had was Zhou uh, Guan Yu going out in the first lap. Other than that, yeah, obviously a really terrible start there for uh, for Max. It sounded like he had a gear shifting problem coming out of the gates. Leclerc comes out in front and leads the sprint for 90% of it. And then probably something that seemed like a, uh, a common theme throughout the weekend for the Ferrari was uh, 
front right tire degra degradation for some reason uh, seemed to be a problem in the sprint. The ultimate reason why he fell behind Max at the end, or I should say why Max was able to overtake him in that one DRS zone. But then during the, uh, during the race too, came to, uh, came to be a, a little bit of a problem. Absolutely. Uh, so let me run down the uh, top eight finishers. I'll only run top eight because that is only who is receiving points. Uh, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, Valtteri Botas, and we finished off with Kevin Magnussen. Now, uh, points go down eight to one in those positions uh, with Max receiving eight and Kevin Magnussen receiving one. Kevin Magnussen with a great qualifying result. And went on the medium tires. He was the Haases were the only instructor to go to start on the medium tire for the sprint race, and it really didn't pay off strategy. He really lost position quickly. He did not have the pace. So Magnuson going from fourth to eighth while it's still salvaging points and leading to a good starting position on the Grand Prix uh, grid, it really hurt Haas exponentially. Yeah, it, it did, and I. Even though it hurt Haas, I couldn't help but wonder, given kind of like how things ended, hindsight being 2020, would Ferrari have had a better result if they did go to the medium tires, considering the amount of tire degradation that they had on that front right, that ultimately led to Charles not getting pole, pole position. Um, I guess we'll never know. You're right. It definitely didn't work out for Haas. But when it came down to it at the end, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking about it in the wrong way, but when uh, they're pointing to tire degradation as the reason why ultimately Charles wasn't able to kind of finish that sprint on pole. You always wonder, did they make the right decision going with the softs? Carlos had a great drive. Carlos had a bad qualifying, started 10th, I think, in the sprint and made his way all the way up to fifth, which was, I mean, great, great drive from him. Yeah, I know uh, they pointed out that Mick Schumacher was able to use the uh, medium tire strategy to uh, continue up through the sprint race. So I'm sure that's what they saw in their simulator data, but it just didn't really work out for Haas trying to compete with the big boys up front who really have the pace, uh, the tires, when they found life in the uh, last couple uh, laps of the race, it just wouldn't be enough to get to outpass the pace of a Mercedes or a Red Bull or um, a Ferrari. Uh, Speaking of Mercedes, I don't even know why I mentioned them because they don't have the pace. The sprint race was very odd in the sense I didn't hear them talk about Lewis Hamilton. They didn't talk about George Russell even. They were not even mentioned in my top eight. Major problems at Mercedes. Major, major problems. And uh, we might be jumping a little bit too far ahead and we'll probably talk a little bit about, about it more there. But post uh, Grand Prix interview for Lewis, he was very frustrated to the point where he basically said he's no longer in the driver's championship, which he recanted later and said that he's fighting and he's, he's still in it, but he's, he's visibly, fr he's visibly frustrated. Yeah. He's Lois Hamilton's friend. always going to put that, uh, that good face on and always know to say the right thing. But yes, yeah, she is obviously very frustrated. And we have our first presenting spawner, F Wood Productions. Summer is right around the corner, and that means graduation parties, weddings, and everything in between. What better gift to give your friends, family, significant other than a wonderful custom cornhole set from F Wood Productions? Regulation side cornhole boards available with custom logos, custom bags, and other unique features. There's no better gift to give this summer. Reach out to at the F609 on Instagram and Twitter to start your custom order today to celebrate the Miami Grand Prix. Use promo code PUSH for three 
0.05 off your next order. Once again, that is promo code PUSH for 305 off your order. As I said earlier, the sprint results will lead to the starting positions of each driver on the race grand prix sunday that means max verstappen started at first position and boy did that pay off we had a little a lot of rain in the opening mornings but uh by the time it came to starting uh there was a evidently a very dry line and that line max verstappen started on and got away quick the big first implications of uh, turn one were Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo crashing. Sainz uh, DNF and completely out of the race. Daniel Ricciardo was able to put on tires and basically just continue around the track for participation points. With a hole in his car. It was very odd that they kept him out there with the level of damage that was on his car. Um, there was a lot of talk about wondering, like, are they doing this for data? Like he was running at the back the whole time, multiple pit stops, try to hold different bunch of things to Mike, try and Mike, get him into the position. Mike, I have, to, I have to stop you there because we've already spent too much time on Daniel Ricciardo. The only thing we can say is he apologized to Carlos Sainz after the fact and they have to move on because there was way too much to even spend the time on Daniel Ricciardo's participation laps that he did do, especially with a Lando Norris sighting on uh, the podium. Oh, yeah. I mean, a backdoor podium at that with Charles kind of in his unfortunate situation. Let's go right into the full race finish. 1-2-10, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris finishing out the podium. George Russell from the Mercedes jumping up at seven positions, I believe, from the sprint race. Valtteri yeah. Bottas, Charles Leclerc finishing in sixth. Yuki Tsunoda, Sebastian Vettel, Kevin Magnussen of the Haas, and Lance Stroll rounding out the top ten. A lot of names you would expect to see on there. A lot of names in unique positions on that top ten. And some surprises, as I think we have three first-time point-getters this season. Charles Leclerc. What happened? It's tough. Um, I don't know. He seemed to be running a pretty. He seemed to be running a pretty good race. Uh, he was in a bad position from the start. Obviously, not finishing on pole and not having a great start. Max really redeemed himself from his poor start in the sprint and had an awesome start in the race. And Charles was chasing the rest of the time. And when the track's wet like that, even though there's a dry line, uh, it's always kind of hard to to take back over that first position, especially on a wet track at Imola that's not known for having a lot of takeover opportunities. And for some reason, no, not a lot of DRS opportunities either. They really, I'm not sure, did we have any DRS opportunities in the entirety of the race? I remember that being like a sticking point down. Yeah, no, uh, it did open off DRS about halfway through the race, but that was about halfway uh, too little. Um, they yeah. probably should have started after a few laps once they, that dry line was established. It was a tale of two tapes between Max Verstappen's start on the sprint and Max Verstappen's start on the race, uh, as I alluded to earlier, the dry line. So in F1, normally there seems to be a dry line where every car is basically going. In the rain, it does not drain well from the other sides because it's not getting enough heat on that area from all the cars going over it. At a starting position... 10 of the cars are on the dry line. 10 of the cars are, are on the wet line. 
This resulted in a uh, little bit of a wheel spin for most on the wet line, leading to absolute jumps from people like George Russell, uh, Max Verstappen getting off well, and Lando Norris. So it plays a factor, but Charles was in it. Charles was in second. Charles was in third. Charles looked like he had a chance to go for second after he put the soft tire on very late in the race. Um, obviously, the pace is there. Would he have caught in Perez? I don't know. Perez has been doing a phenomenal job, as you spoke upon last episode, actually. Kind of called it and did pick it, I believe. I, I did call it and I did pick it. Um, yeah, I mean, Sergio, Sergio's looked great. He had an awesome drive at Imola. Flawless Red Bull getting all but one of the maximum amount of points on the weekend when you include the sprint. Uh, Max finishing 1-1 and Sergio finishing three in the sprint and two in the... Uh, in the uh, in the Grand Prix, you can't you can't ask for much more than that, especially in the position they were in in the constructors and the drivers' championships. Big weekend for Red Bull. They're right back in it. As you said at the top, it was a great weekend for the Red Bull. But that gets to Charles Leclerc putting on the soft tire, taking uh, the chicane a little too tight, and spinning out. Charles Leclerc hits the wall, gets some front wing damage, and has to come into the pits again, resulting in him falling back to eighth place, able to salvage something back to sixth to at least gain some points. But as they alluded to in coverage after the fact, when you have points in a championship battle, it's a lot easier to throw them away than gain more points. And Ferrari went for it. Charles went for it on a wet track. He caught too much curb and blew it. Yeah, he blew it. And ultimately, he let uh, Lando take a podium. You could tell at the end of the race, uh, Lando and all of his interviews, he was very honest about the fact that he was not expecting to be on the podium that day. But anyway, uh, got there. A lot of talk about him being, uh, being good in the rain. Maybe that's something that we look to. Uh, for the rest of the season, if we have any more wet races and you have uh, you have Lando Norris available, maybe a good time to take him. Despite, I know we said we're not talking anymore, Danny Ricardo, but I do have to mention, <laughs> um, if that doesn't happen on the first lap, I think the conversation around McLaren right now, even though it's it's still very, very positive, it's much different right now. I think they're a clear third right now in the constructors based or like moving forward. They have the third best car on the grid right now. In my, in, in my opinion, I know, I know Danny finishes P 18 in this race because you have two, uh, you have two DNFs. Um, but if that didn't happen, you have to wonder where does he, where does he fall? Do, do you get, uh, do you get Danny finishing above, like a George Russell and having a, a Red Bull 1-2 and a McLaren 3-4. Um, you know, and you say that, and that's an interesting point. Obviously, you alluded earlier of the fact of Lewis Hamilton's disappointment, and we just spoke about a George Russell P4 finish. I He finished the sprint in 11th, so seven places up to finish fourth obviously shows that there's some pace in the car because Lewis Hamilton could, could not could not get anything out of the tor- car. I've heard conflicting reports um, because Mercedes is so bad um, or they feel they are so bad that maybe they went with two completely different setups and Lewis just by luck of the draw got the bad setup yeah. because the way Toto and him were talking, 
they both knew that car was undrivable as soon as they got out of the garage in the wet at the qualifying. Mm-hmm. But for George Russell to put on um, actually four great performances is at this point, he is the only driver to be in the top five of every race this season. So I hear you. I'm a McLaren fan. I like Daniel Ricciardo a lot. But it's really tough to hear anybody say that Mercedes has fallen off when George Russell has put out outstanding performances throughout. A lot of luck. Don't get me wrong. A lot of luck. But he's finishing races. And as we know, that's the most important part because Max Verstappen has two race finishes. And both yeah. of them has resulted in, have resulted in wins. Yeah, uh, that's that's Max for you. But I mean, it, it, it's not just that, too. You also have another DNF uh, for for Sergio Perez, obviously, in the first race too. Red Bull uh, needs to finish more races. No secret in that. As we say that, uh, Carlos Sainz has finished one lap in his last two Grand Prix. Yeah, that's that's tough. You have to wonder what's going on. You have to wonder what's going on there. I mean, he definitely got a little bit of a like a rough draw this time around, just from the standpoint of. Danny Ricardo's car kind of like jumping into his. It doesn't seem like it was kind of anybody's fault there, just like hard racing. But ultimately, Danny finishes the race. Carlos doesn't. Carlos has his second DNF in a row, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Like I said, he's um, finished what he's finished one lap yeah. in the last two Grand Prix. One lap yeah. he's completed. That is yeah. absolutely insane for a guy who just renewed his contract, um, whose car and constructor is on top of both drivers and constructors championships. He actually had a 31 race finishing streak up until this point, and he has not finished the last two grand. He's not finished a lap. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a small sample size we're looking at here. Can't help but wonder what's going on there, but also at the same time, Carlos is a great driver, I'm sure. A lot of, bad, lot of bad luck, absolutely. A lot of bad luck. Absolutely. Um, Esteban Akon snaps a seven race scoring streak the alpine has looked good but it just happened to not be their weekend this week it was aston martin's weekend this week getting their first points of the season sebastian betzel and lance stroll both finishing in the points Uh, a big weekend for aston martin to get on the board here big weekend for papa stroll looking uh rumored to be selling the team to audi a couple of other storylines. Yuki Sonoda finished a race. Good for Yuki. Finished in Finishes. the points. Finished in the points. Hey, and he's beating his teammate. That's what you got to do. Stay on he the track. Beat your teammate. teammate. A little bit of a little bit of drama down the stretch with his uh, with his teammate Pierre Gasly getting into a little bit of a rub. But yeah, Yuki finishing P seven. Also, kind of the sub storyline coming down the stretch there. George Russell and. Uh, Valtteri Botas fighting it out for uh, for P4. You could tell that was a position that Valtteri wanted, uh, especially driving in what's considered to be a inferior car in the Alfa Romeo. Yeah, but uh, and ab- George absolutely. does finish ahead of him in P4. Valtteri finishes P5, um, but great drive from Valtteri as well. Yeah, and that was such a uh, a popular episode this season on Drive to Survive to show them to crash and game right here at Imola. And uh, the storyline that unfolds after that. So to see them two battling at the end, it was definitely uh, quite entertaining. Yeah, for sure. All in all, I mean, it's tough because of the because of the weather and you had the wet race and you had limited DRS opportunities at the beginning. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it was a, it was a good race. And I think we're moving on to this one next. Is Imola a bad track? It, it, one DRS zone in the modern era seems 
a little lacking, but when does old Yankee Stadium stop becoming playable? I mean, For some things, you figure that out and you move. For others, you stay at Wrigley and Fenway and adjust. While we did not have maybe a great race, it was certainly an exciting weekend. It was an exciting weekend, Frank. And I am actually on the side of, I do not think Imola is a bad track. I think we got bad weather that led to the conversation of it being a bad track. The sprint was awesome. But didn't bad weather make it more interesting? Because I would certainly like to see Kevin Magnuson finishing the highest he's ever qualified on a grid rather than seeing Max, Charles, Perez, signs, seeing Max, Hamilton, Perez, Botas, whatever iteration I've seen that in, that does not interest me. I would like to have an eclectic starting grid to where you see these stories and you have these uh, interesting points play out through a weekend as opposed to the standard, we're better than everybody. That's what yeah. added, that, that's what adds the fun to me personally. So um, the weather actually helped. The craziness actually helped to me because I really do think you would have saw exactly what you saw the sprint play out to be. There were two cars that were dominant, and that's all that mattered. In the race, when we went to a little bit more of a length, things happened. Rain affected it as well, and it affected the drivers and how they uh, address things. But what my next question will be to you is – do you like the sprint? So I don't think this is the track to do the sprint. At. I think to your point, I, I understand why I understand why they did it. But to your point, we got a very predictable finish. And I think anytime you have a sprint, unless there's some type of major incident that happens in that sprint, I think it lends more towards getting those predictable finishes. And the reason why is because once you go through qualifying, if you get any surprises, then you're able to fix it in the sprint. You have a Carlos Sainz that finishes 10th in qualifying and is able to move up to fifth in the sprint and get himself closer to the pack. Now he has an incident and he's out of the race in the first lap, but what happens if he doesn't? You probably even get a more predictable finish than you did previously. Also, if you don't change the car from last year to this year, I think I have a different tune. With the ability to overtake much easier, I think it makes Imola a much more palatable track from the standpoint of even though there is only one DRS zone, you saw a lot of action in that one DRS zone and you knew exactly where to look when those things were going to happen. So I don't, I don't know. I think there's arguments on both sides. I think the new car helps Imola more than it hurts Imola. Um but having the sprint, I don't think helps to your point, the predictability of the finishing positions. Yes, that, that's my uh, biggest concern with the sprint. Lewis Hamilton, Brazil 2021 sprint mm-hmm. shows you why it's exciting. But it also just proves to me that when you have a better car, the more times you go around the track, the less likely the opponents have the opportunity in lesser vehicles. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. All right. That'll do it for our race recap of the Imola Italian Grand Prix. Uh, We will recap our standings now. We will go down the standings of the pool in our top 10. Our current leader maintains his, I can only say, two-week streak at the top, Tom Riccardi. 
Michael O'Byrne coming in second with that Sergio Perez pick. Um, Liam, Nick Cirillo jumping up from almost last place two weeks ago to now fourth place in two races. Sean Hunt and Corey Cook, yours truly in sixth. Steven, or no, in seventh. Steven, our birthday uh, recipient, Johnny. And then we have a tie for 10th from Daniel Shuck and Megan Hutton. Tom maintaining lead with Lando. Um, obviously, the brakes fall. My driver of the day for the race. It's a great pick, but still somebody who is taking the top heavy uh, lean on this uh, strategy of early races. It's worked out, but he doesn't have a win. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just consistency out of Tom. What is it, three P2s and now a P3? If you get all your guys to finish the race, you're going to get points, and you're going to – if you if you pick top-heavy guys and your guys finish the race, you're going to be in a good spot. Especially in a heavy Charles Leclerc-picked race, a lot of people look to double up on the sprint and the race itself. I was one of the victims um, and, and pulled a, the min, most minimal points I thought you can probably pull at this point for Charles Leclerc. So uh, it, that one definitely hurts. Um just an overview of what we're looking at currently um, through four races. The Ferrari duo, 12 teams have taken. So that is over half of our league has already picked in um, both the Ferrari drivers. Um, Esteban Akon, the third driver, most taken overall at nine. You would never think that, but um, for those people, he's probably scored some points. So it's worked out. Uh, Lando Norris uh, and then Max Verstappen. And through four races with only seven taken, I think Daniel Ricciardo is next. So um, other than the Ferrari Duro, everybody's still on the board. Uh, Lance Stroll, Sebastian Vettel, Alex Albon, and basically Nicholas Latifi, he did, was a uh, simulation pick. But um, all basically never taken, uh, the Williams and the Aston Martin, obviously for good reasons. Both of them just scoring points in the last two races, a Albon on a... Uh, Hail Mary, basically, and Stroll and Vettel to uh, pull it out in the uh, Imola conditions. So uh, it's a lot of interesting things moving strategy-wise. Michael, what are your takeaways? No, I mean, o- Ocon as the third most selected driver, I think. Oh, you're going – You're wait, you're going Ocon, not Ocon? I, Ocon is strong. As an O'Burn, I'm going Ocon. Um, okay, I love but, it. Uh, Go Ocon. I'm, He's I'm, French. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, as an O'Burn, I'm going Ocon. Um, yeah, honestly, I haven't considered him in any of the races so far, but looking back on it, maybe I should have. Uh, considering, I mean, scoring minimal points, but scoring points in his last couple of races, which is exactly what you want to get out of him if you're going to take him in one of those situations. And, I mean, I, I'm surprised more people haven't taken Max, but at the same time, I think if you've saved him, um, you're in a better position than somebody like me who took him in the first race and only has uh, the availability to use him one more time. Red Bull is clearly just getting stronger as the season goes on. They're fixing things as things go along. So he's he's going to have he's going to have more races where he's finishing in that top one, two, three position than he's not going out the rest of the way. Uh, he is Max, so he's a little nuts. He could always DNF, but I think he's uh, I think you're in a better position if you still have both your Max selections than if you don't. I would um, agree. I do have a max win. So, I mean, I did take him on the right on the right time and the right track. But uh, 
I did not pick, make that same selection for Charles, so uh, that could hurt me coming down the line. Uh, interesting point, uh, we did have our first wild card selection. Um, as I've stated in the rules, you need to take 20 dry, unique drivers over the course of the season. For the other two races, you can use a wild card selection worth 1.5 times the amount of points. This person decided to take their wild card before actually selecting the driver, which is absolutely fine. He will also have to take Charles Leclerc again. I say that very with a sad, sad heart to take your wild card after three phenomenal weekends from a dominant Ferrari, from our dominant uh, driver's championship driver to then end up with sixth. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's tough. You were you were five six of the way there too. In the outcome, I'm thinking when he puts on those soft tires. Okay, I'll take the third. Yeah, who cares? I mean, you can you can live, who cares? You can live with a P two. You can live with a P two using your wild card, but it's a it's a tough pill to swallow at P six. Absolutely, yeah. And Tom has obviously shown that you can live on taking seconds and thirds uh, to be our leader, and that's a big point swing. Um, not only for us in our picks, but for a uh, driver's championship that's now opened the door right for Max Verstappen, as you said earlier. And our second presenting sponsor, Dolce & Clemente Italian Market. Whether it's a summer pool party, event tailgate, or your next F1 rate say, Dolce Clemente Italian Markets in Robbinsville, New Jersey is the go-to for all your catering needs. Enormous fresh sliced Italian sandwiches, hot prepared food, and mouth-watering desserts. Dolce Clemente has everything to make your next event one your guests won't forget. That is Dolce Clemente. Go see my buddy Mike Grogan. Stamp it. Finally, we will go on to our race preview announcement from Michael O'Byrne. Frank, I will be boycotting the Miami Grand Prix. <gasps> Why? Frank, there's a lot of things that are sacred in American sport. There are a few days on the calendar that are reserved for one event and one event only. The first Sunday in February, we have the Super Bowl. The Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, we have the Indianapolis 500. The first Saturday in May is reserved for the Kentucky Derby, the fastest two minutes in sports, the race for the roses. I will be at Churchill Downs and I will not be even thinking about the Miami Grand Prix. It's a disgrace. F1 should be ashamed of themselves. They're trying to Americanize the sport. They're trying to get more American viewers and they're going up against Americana and I won't stand for it. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, do you have a, uh, a post time for... The race on Sunday? Um, unfortunately, Frank, post time is right around Grand Prix time. I believe Grand Prix starts at what, 4.30 or 3.30 race? 3.30, yeah. 3.30 race, um, but I believe it is around 4 or 4.30, right in the mm, middle of the race. No way. The post time is scheduled for 6.57. 6.57? I'll be too blacked out to watch the Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> Okay, and I'm the still boycotting. And it's still bullshit. And the truth comes out. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, I really do hope you enjoy. We're gonna have a grand old time. All right, we are right into the Miami Grand Prix at the Miami International Aerodrome. How does that sound to you? Sounds like somebody's going directly up against Americana, and I'm boycotting this race. 
Mm, mm. It sounds like a racetrack they built in the parking lot around Dolphin Stadium. Um, we have 19 corners, three straights, uh, potentially three DRS zones. Uh, from the knowledge I have in the reviews I've read, um, we're looking at a tailor-made circuit to a new F1 car. A lot of sh a lot of long straights leading into tight hairpin turns, um, a few high speed corners um, to add to the mix, but it's going to be a lot similar to some of these newer tracks that you see. Um, it's labeled a street circuit. I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, it's right around these. Uh, it's tailor made to overtaking in these new cars. Hopefully, we'll get a lot of different spots as opposed to just like you saw in Imola, just a one overtake zone. So it'll be uh, quite interesting to see a new track uh, this season. Um, especially somebody who's played the F1 uh, video game a lot. Um, I are pretty familiar with the other tracks, but uh, to see this and to see how it uh, navigates will be very interesting. There we go. No, I mean, despite F1's ignorance and scheduling up against Americana, it is awesome that uh, we have a second Grand Prix in America. It'll be interesting to see what we get out of this track. Three DRS zones, if they do have that, it's going to certainly make for... Um, a lot of fire, a lot of fireworks for the better, for better or for worse, but a lot of opportunities to change the complexion of the race. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't really know much. I don't really know much about it. I don't think anybody really knows much about it. I guess we'll see during free practice how things start to shake out. But Miami is a great city. I'm sure they'll embrace it, and uh, it should be cool. I mean, at least from everything I've read, the uh, demand for tickets has been off the wall. So um, we're hope we might see an attendance record again um, set just in America after Austin set the attendance record last season. We are looking at a rundown here of Friday, May 6th. Free practice one will be at 2.30. Free practice two will be at 5.30. Saturday the 7th, free practice three will be at 1 o'clock. Qualifying will be at 4 p.m. I'm sure that will be on ESPN or ESPN2. Sunday, May 8th, we will have a race time of 3.30. Frank, after recant my statement, I didn't realize that this race was on Sunday. The Kentucky Derby is on Saturday. I can't believe we wasted all this time. I can't believe we did either. All right. And since we do have a very limited knowledge of this uh, Miami circuit, we can't really go into too much history Uh Mike, do you have any strategy on picks this weekend uh, looking in for yourself? Uh, can you give me a what you think the Grand Prix will follow as? Do you have a, uh, a prediction for a winner? Uh, I mean, I don't think I have. We don't know much. I think this might be the first race that I take the value approach just because we don't know much about the track. The safe assumptions would be that Ferrari is going to continue to have a great car. I guess we'll see what Carlo, if Carlos can get a little bit more back on track. The Red Bulls have had a great car throughout the start of the, the first four races, but let's see if Max and, and Sergio can both finish. Like I've been, I've been banging down the door for the McLarens. I think they have the third best car on the, on the grid right now. You don't agree with me and that's all right. But based on what I've seen in qualifying and free practice and all of the uh, all the pre-race activities, it looks like at least from what I can see, they have the uh, they have the pace to to stay up there. Probably not win, but they're gonna get a few they're they're gonna they're gonna get a few podiums when guys uh, when guys uh, when guys mess up. So 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there seems to be a strategy right now trying to hunt wins and then find points. That's the way that you're going to excel in this format is hitting your wins when you pick your guys and then finding points wherever they can be till we get into wild card season where um, a lot of people will be you know really relying on those dominant victors and really hunt, head hunting those uh, top points as a race prediction i am going to go max verstappen i think this is going to set up a lot like saudi arabia um regardless of uh max Charles getting ahead or opposed to placing on pole through the weekend i think max will dominate here um the straight line speed of the red bull down the straights is uh, something that ferrari cannot compete with yet and um i think we might see some upgrades here from the red bull so i'm going to take max verstappen as a strategy option I'm probably with you. Uh, I really would love to shock the world and take Carlos signs here, but you kind of have to see it before you place that bet now, um, unless you're really feeling risky and trying to catch everybody else off guard, which it could be um, just as good enough of a strategy to do. Um, but yeah, I'll probably look in the tier here, maybe an Akon um, snapping a uh, seven race point streak. Uh, I think he'd like to get back on track. So I might look to, to finish off my Alpine selections for the year. You know, you never know. I might throw in a Williams there just for the hell of it. Just get it out of the way. Like, who cares? I don't know anything about Miami. Uh, I'm never going to take, take a Williams. At some point. You have to take him at some point. Why not throw it in there? So I wouldn't be too concerned that, you know, just throwing a dart on the wall, hoping maybe Alex Albon can find some magic again in that car, just like George Russell used to back last season. All right, Michael, um, this has been a phenomenal return to the podcasting scene for both of us. Michael has been a phenomenal guest both these two times. I do encourage anybody that might be interested to join me. We are very open to having a guest. If not, I think Michael might continue to uh, co-host with me here for a while until uh, anybody would like to come on. As always the F609. If you have any suggestions, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you want to find us a podcast name, we currently only have one name submission. Uh, I will be adding that to the entry form this upcoming week. So after the wild card selection, it will ask you to optionally give a podcast name. If you'd like to send it in that way, I would uh, appreciate that. We need a name for this bad boy. Um, other than that, Michael, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, uh, at moburn15 on all social media. That's about it. Uh, yeah. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys watching the race that I won't watch. <laughs> all right. That will do it for our second episode of our untitled F1 Pool podcast. I am Frank Skrzyzewski, your commissioner at the F609. Always remember to push, push. Push, push, yeah.